Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. I should have killed 
more 500 people, then I would have felt better. Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to Getting It Out Podcast. That was Brick by Brick with Evil Remains off of their upcoming record, Dismal Existence, coming February 18th on Upstate Records and Blood Blast Distribution. That track actually featured guest vocals from Testament's Chuck Billy. He was right there in the middle. He didn't sound like I usually expect him to sound like, but he was there, I promise you. Anyway, like I said, that song's off of Dismal Existence, which comes out February 18th. Uh, 2022 that's the next year that we're about to be in so that's a couple months away you got plenty of time to pick that up the pre-order is available now so you can go do that i believe there is picture disc vinyl and cd so go do that there's there's like a vulture sitting on a skull on the cover it uh reminds me of a dismal existence which i think is what they're going for so it's working out pretty well anyway Go check that out and check out what else Upstate Records has going. They've always got some pretty cool shit. Okay, so what's happening on this episode of the podcast? Well, I have an interview with Kyle Thomas of Exhorter. They were just about to go on tour where they're playing Slaughter in the Vatican in full on each date. The tour is with Take Offense, Extinction AD, and Plague Years. I don't think that is still the case, but that was the case when we had this conversation. So... Let's just get into it. Check it! Make family out of friends, make friends out of enemies! Peace to my family, make friends till they bury me! All the places we've been, we're never sitting it out! We be getting it in! Why you getting it out? I said all the places we've been, we're never sitting it out! We be getting it in! Why you getting it out? Okay, so as I mentioned, this is the first episode in a couple weeks, and I did say that that was going to be the case in episode 200 with Phil Pendergast of Chemist, if you didn't hear. I did say I'm just going to do these when I want to do them from now on, and that is the case. That is what I'm doing. However, the um, my leave of absence went a little longer than I had anticipated because COVID was gracious enough to allow me to not have COVID until I released episode 200, and then I got it. And, well, I only had it for, well, I mean, I guess technically I had it for like two weeks and still do. Um, it only put me down for a couple of days. No, no, I didn't say put me down. Like, I took, a, I took a half day off work one day, right? But I was pretty fucking run down. Uh, it, was, it was pretty intense. I, it makes me wonder what the unvaccinated version is like for people because uh, it, was, it was not fun. Not a fun time, along with myself. My little eight-year-old had it as well, and it didn't seem to bother her one bit, you know, just a little fever for a day or two, and, but that's where I got it, you know, because then she was on my lap, and I was basically huffing in the COVID straight from the veins, and because uh, you got to. You get, when your kid's sick, you can't be like, hold on, why don't you put a mask on before you come over here and uh, before I tend to you, because that would just be, um, I don't know, <laughs> heartless, I guess, and I can't do that to my kids, so... I just took the COVID. I said, give it to me. I'll take it. And it did. It whooped my ass for a little bit. And it's a little, I don't want to say, I don't want to say it was scary. It was just, because like it, it, the symptoms were exactly what they tell you they are. Like it was exact. It was by the book what COVID is. But it wasn't fun. So I'd suggest if you can avoid it that you do. That's it. That's all I have to say about it. Before we go much farther on this episode, I want to tell you that I got nothing to tell you, all right? It was nice to not be here 
to not be speaking to you for a couple weeks. It was the first break, as I mentioned, I took in a very long time. So uh, I don't know the regularity that episodes will be coming out. They'll be coming out when I want them to. As I keep saying, I just want that to be very clear. Uh, thank you for listening, though, and for checking out each and every episode, if you do, or just the ones that you want to, because that's the way I listen to podcasts, too. All right? So uh, I get it. All right? You're not, you're not obligated to be here every week, though I expect it, and I have demands. So show up, okay? All right. So having said that, let's get into this interview with Kyle of Exhorter. But first, let's play a track off of Slaughter in the Vatican, and let's go with Homicide.
know, I was thinking, Kyle, and maybe you can correct me if I'm wrong, but I'm thinking you might be the oldest Kyle that there is. And I don't mean that in that you're old. <laughs> I just mean that the Kyle, that's not a, that's like a 1990s name. How'd you end up being a Kyle as, as well, early as you did? That's, I feel like you're in, that, the, in on the ground actually, floor. That's a good question because when I was a kid, there were no other Kyles. And I hated my name because of that because – you know, like I'd have to repeat it for people. What is your name? Moo Cow? Yeah, my name is fucking Moo Cow, you idiot. So, yeah, it was just one of those things like, well, he's got a weird name. So I hated it. I wanted to be like a Bill or a Joe or something. And now today I'm glad that I, I have the name that I have. It's, you know, unique to people our age for sure. Um, but, like, it was weird, yeah, when I started becoming a dad in the late 90s and even a little bit before that, uh, my name became more common with, you know, my generation and, and my sisters ahead of me, their generation, to name their children. And I'd walk through the mall and hear, cow, 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 cow. And I, my head would spin around like it was on a swivel, man. And uh, and then I finally realized, okay, well, my name has just kind of gotten popular. So, you know, I, I don't know how many uh, people name their children after me per se, but <laughs> if well, I they did, God bless them. <laughs> I think you should just start going by like Kyle the first, and you know, just, right. just <laughs> it's, it's, it'll be a good can look. We, can we put can we put King before that? King <laughs> yeah, Kyle yeah, of course. Yeah, you can do whatever you want. You're the first one. You just <laughs> plant your flag in it. Right. Well, well, Kyle, I've I've I've, I've known of you, of course, for a long time because again, you've done a whole bunch of stuff, and I do know. A thing or two about your history and i think i know a couple things about your personal history and of course we're talking about exhorter and slaughter in the vatican and the tour that you're about to do but i also wanted to ask because i think i've heard that you originally wanted to be a saxophone player but now you've been screaming <laughs> yeah. for years how what, what happened there oh man we got to go back to third grade for this one this is a good story though <laughs> i i'm you know how it is at the beginning of the school year, the band director comes around all the classrooms showcasing all the instruments, let the kids play them yeah. to try to drum up. Um, and they're recruiting, basically. So uh band director came to our classroom, started handing out the instruments, and I saw that saxophone, and I was like, "I man, I every song I ever heard where there was a saxophone just always felt like a sexy part, you know? And I was... <laughs> I was I was kind of a horny, perverted little child, so I was just like, all I could think was, if I get that thing in my hands, I will get all the girls. I mean, third grade, you know. Yeah, third grade, Kyle. Nine years old, thinking about, you know, how much tail I can pull, right? (laughs) So, uh, um, so, you know, he puts the sacks in my hand, puts a new reed in there, so I get a clean reed, and I'm like, dude, I gotta have this thing. I got to. So I went home from school that day and said to my dad, Dad, please, please take me to the music store and get me a saxophone so I can play in the school band. And I was like, all right, let's go, let's go. So we go there. And man, they put the sax in my hands and set me up. Yeah, man, I'm like, this is killer. Then my dad saw the price tag. So. <laughs> I could see the look in his face when it just dropped completely. I was like, oh, no, this can't be good. So then the uh, the guy who owned the music store, he says, Mr. Thomas, come, come see over here. I want to talk to you for a minute. So they go over there talking, and I see him talking. I'm like, you know, my, my, my spidey senses were tingling. And I'm like, you know, 
I'm not getting the saxophone, but something's up. (laughs) So they come back a couple minutes later. Here, son, try this nice trumpet. And I was like, (laughs) oh, no. But I really wanted to play music, so I was like, it's the trumpet or nothing. I saw the handwriting on the wall, you know. So my parents did a rent-to-own thing with that trumpet for, I don't know, three and a half years. Yeah. So I was in, pri- I was in private lessons from the time I was in third grade until uh, right before I uh, got in eighth grade. And so I really got that strong foundation of, of musical development that's really important for a musician, you know, like the, the sooner you get it as a child, the better children learn things quicker. And, uh, you know, these are things that stick with you for the rest of your life. So I mm. I've been blessed that I can pick up just about any instrument. And if I've, if I don't know how to play it right now, give me 15 minutes and I'll figure out how to make it sing some kind of way, you know? Yeah. That's a very cool talent. And I'm super envious of that. I have to imagine that uh, brass instruments down there were pretty popular, right? Sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, the, uh, you know, they call Louisiana, New Orleans, Louisiana, the birthplace of jazz. Right. You know, they, jazz really, really exploded in Chicago, but so many of the greats were here, and it just—I guess—it just wasn't clicking. You know, you had old ragtime and stuff. Uh, you know, around turn of the century, I guess. Night, uh, you know, from the nineteenth to the twentieth century, I guess it went back that far. It was. Uh, but you know, when, when all the greats, like, you know, Louis Armstrong and all that started kind of coming into their own, I guess the work wasn't here. It was in Chicago. I mean, mm-hmm. Chicago's a much bigger city to begin with. So, uh, so we, that's, that's one of our boasts here in New Orleans, the birthplace of jazz, not, not the ones who embraced jazz and broke it. <laughs> <laughs> we just invented it. <laughs> Yeah, it's well. It's like the uh, it's like the basketball team. It had to go to Utah to be any good, you know. That's the, exactly, <laughs> exactly. We had like Pistol Pete Maravich, and that was it. That's it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but all right, so so you 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 started playing the trumpet. You get really involved in music. I I think I've read that you yourself were uh, more into as far as extreme music goes, more into the hardcore punk stuff in the around the time exorder formed right well kind of okay. uh i start i started out as a metalhead i did well yeah. started out as a, as a rock kid you know my sisters turned my brother and i onto a lot of rock when we were kids and you know just listening to the radio started you know mostly with beatles and then eventually stuff like led zeppelin bag company queen and then kiss and then we started kind of developing our own tastes and i want to say when i was a tweener you know 11 12 years old um my brother came home with dire of a madman by ozzy osbourne and i I was floored i was just like i I wanted to hate it because he loved it but you know I, i couldn't deny it for too long and so started reaching back into sabbath and priests and maiden and all that stuff acdc and it was really it spoke to me but yeah, I want to say about maybe halfway through high school, um, I started, uh, my brother, same thing. He started trying to turn me on to punk and stuff. And I was like, nah, screw that. You know, I'm a metalhead. And then finally I started hearing crossover and hearing that, Hey, look, metal and punk can be together as one. Yeah. And 
that just opened my doors tremendously. And then I started embracing, you know, more traditional punk stuff. Uh, and, and eventually it just, it spoke to me in a, a stronger way than metal was at the time. Cause of, uh, I felt like metal was devolving at the time. And, um, and, and so I, I start. I really was in the thrash for a few years and then punk really kind of, you know, hardcore and stuff took over. And, uh, I, I really, I, to this day, I, I don't listen to a whole, whole lot of heavy metal on a regular basis. I do still, mm-hmm. and it, it's forever ingrained in my heart, but I guess it's kind of like that saying that they have that the carpenter's wife has no furniture. When I'm <laughs> yeah. not playing heavy metal, I kind of don't want to be around it. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, like. You know, a chef comes home, and the last thing a chef wants to do is cook a big meal at home. You've been doing it all friggin' day. So, um, for me, yeah, I, 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 I'll always be part metalhead down to my core. But uh, you know, when I'm at home listening to music leisurely, it's usually something way different, atypical from what you would expect me to listen to. Yeah, that, that makes a lot of sense to me. Um, and, and in a relatable way, I don't like having a lot of conversations about music, you know what I mean? But then that's what I do. Sure. <laughs> like, you know, right. if I'm not doing it for this, I probably don't want to do it because it's, it's, I do it a lot, you know? Um, yeah, sure. So, so I, I understand, you know, some of the history of Ex Hoarder and uh, the, the record Slaughter in the Vatican. And uh, of course, it's, it's regarded as a classic. You're just now getting around to doing the first, as far as I'm aware, the first tour where you perform the record in the entirety. Entirety. Why? Why now? Thirty-one years after its release. That well, that's correct for sure. What you're saying here. Uh, there's a, there's more than one reason why we're doing this. Um, I'd say the the fastest, quickest, most honest answer is that. We, we were already prepared for this from from booking Psycho Las Vegas. It was supposed to be Psycho Las Vegas 2020 where we played the album in its entirety. But that, of course, got pushed back to 2021 because of the pandemic. Right. So as as we were preparing for that show this year and, you know, re- rehearsing nearly a month prior to the show and putting all this work in, we we're all just like, man, we really shouldn't end this at one show. We should probably take this out on the road so reached out to the booking agent and he said hey look man there's a tour here ready waiting to go man let, let's let's get this thing going so uh but but the timing is also good because they just did re-release the vinyl um i think in europe um it, it I, I i don't know i think they did maybe 2000 units of the the, the vinyl re-released so there was that in the forefront and then the year before in 2020 was the 30th anniversary which was really why Psycho Las Vegas was booked in the first place because it was a 30 year anniversary well here we are the 31st anniversary (laughs) finally getting out to do this but I mean it makes it makes perfect sense for us to do this because we never did a proper US tour for Slaughter in the Vatican to begin with Mm -hmm. Uh, we just we were we were a new band so to speak even though the band had been together for five years at this point, just about, and, you know, the album didn't come out until 1990. So, you know, up, up, upstart band, 
uh, not, demand wasn't there for it like it is now. You know, now we're a legacy band, and the album is hailed as one of the greatest thrash records of all time in some circles. So, yeah. uh, it, it, doing a proper tour on this album, a because it's never been done before, and b because there's been fanfare about this album for the last eighteen months or so. It just makes sense. Yeah, it, do, it does, and of course, you know, obviously, if you, you couldn't do it on the 30th anniversary, that would, nobody was allowed to do shit. Um, so, right. <laughs> makes, makes plenty of sense to do it now. One of the things that I really appreciate about this tour is the lineup of bands that you're bringing with you. Instead of going with uh, with another other older bands, you picks well, these these aren't younger bands. A lot of them been around for a few years, but they're but bands that I particularly like, especially uh, Take Offense and Extinction AD. Uh, you got Play Gears on there too. Um, did you have any? Did, did you or the band have any um, say in who was playing this tour with you guys, or was this handled else? You know, by someone else. I mean, this really was put together by our booking agent and uh, another team of <laughs> of entities. I guess that represent those bands. I don't know that they're all with our booking agency. I, I think they all were just kind of. If it's not. If it's my understanding, I think this tour was already something that was in the works that uh, that ended up not coming together. So everybody just kind of did like a mishmash of, you know, well, these guys are kind of packaged together and it would go great with what you guys are doing and y'all are looking for a tour. Right, right. So why don't we just, you know, mix this party with this party? And, you know, the only thing that I was asked was what do you think about these bands you know and and to be honest with you i you know being that i don't listen to that much of this kind of music i really i i had heard of a couple of the bands but didn't really know much about them and you know i researched did some research you know quick googling and youtubing of the bands i'm like yeah. seems killer seems killer <laughs> to me they all seem viable and uh you know they've got strong social media presence um I, i've heard nothing bad reputation wise about any of these bands so yeah let's go to work you know no i think yeah i think it all it all fits it all fits well together too it doesn't seem like an accident it seems like it was a well-intentioned you know well-intentioned uh well thought out tour package and uh i like that i like what's happening here um you guys uh you guys as we mentioned you're kind of coming up here this way early in the tour and then swinging back around like through the country um, is there any was there any uh, consideration or preference to how you routed this tour, or is this just the way it happened to work out? Well, I, I think always you want to hit strong markets for sure, but but for me, what's just as important is hitting markets we haven't hit before, which happens to be a lot because we took twenty seven years off <laughs> and we didn't we didn't we did let's be let's be honest, we didn't work that hard to begin with back in the day. So, um, you know, in all seriousness, you, you know, you have to do the, the New York market. You have to do the Chicago market. You got to do the, the LA market, these, you know, the Houston, Dallas. Yeah. Uh, so we, we've played these markets quite a bit in the last few years. And I know a lot of people really get disappointed when, you want to see your favorite bands come through and they look over. It seems like we're looking over your town. You know, if it was up to me and up to us, we'd hit everywhere, man. We really would. But, um, you know, Rome wasn't built in a day and we, we, 
we've got a lot of groundwork to make up over the years of being idle. So every tour we're doing, we're hitting markets, multiple markets that we've never played before. For instance, um, we've never been to Boise, Idaho. We're going to Boise, Idaho. We've never been to Petaluma, California or Bakersfield, California. Um, Greeley, Colorado, there's a lot of dates on here. Exhorters never played in Indianapolis. You know, that's yeah. a made that, that's a pretty major market yeah, there <laughs> that that uh that this this band just never got to. So uh we're we're trying, you know. Uh you know, we're not hitting Florida on this run and I know our Florida fans are disappointed, but we we did hit Florida um on the last tour so you know we just kind of got to rotate them in and out i guess and and really it it's not like we put in our requests and say we need to hit these markets no that's that's what we hire the booking agents for they (laughs) they're the ones that know what's sensible for routing a tour you know and uh I, i guess they sprinkle in the smaller markets as you know as they see fit to uh you know to fill in the gaps and to also start expanding to to markets and and i guess it's better to drip feed that in instead of going out and doing an exclusive tour of nothing but smaller uh markets that we have that we're unproven in for starters you know that, that's risky that's that could be a financial disaster right so, right yeah <laughs> yeah i can't imagine that'd be a great idea um the you as far as i know um exhorter is allowed to play everywhere in the united states but apparently that wasn't the deal in europe right back when slaughter in the vatican came out i've read that you weren't allowed to play in italy is that true and have you played sit there since uh, that's my understanding i don't know if that was i don't know if that was actually a thing or if that was just an urban legend that grew yeah uh i mean keep in mind the original cover of Slaughter in the Vatican on the demo was not like what you see on the album is the tamed down version. Yes. It's the cartoonist (laughs) version. (laughs) Yeah. So, so the actual cover of our demo was not just the Pope. It was Pope John Paul II himself, who now is better known as St. Paul, John Paul II. (laughs) So this was a very beloved man. And, He's hanging from our logo by a noose with the Vatican burning in the background and women and children crying and praying at his feet. It's, you know, that, that was pretty hardcore. I guess we were kind of seen as a threat, perhaps. Uh, <laughs> I'd say, yeah. But I, I don't, you know, but maybe, I don't know, maybe we weren't even big enough on the radar to make to make it, uh, you know, any kind of real threat. And we weren't really, I, I never wanted to do anything to hurt the Pope, uh, to be honest with you. It's just a song, you know, like yeah. it was really just a metaphor for for organized religion and hypocrisy and that sort of thing. I grew up in the Catholic school system, so it was low hanging fruit for me, that's for sure. Um, but but we have played in Italy. Uh, we did Rock the Castle in Verona a few years back, and that was amazing, man, we uh, you know, we didn't have any problems. There wasn't like any kind of uh, Vatican Secret Service there watching us or anything. I, I think I think it's looked at now probably as tame in comparison to a lot of things. I think you'd know if the Vatican was watching you because they have those goofy looking Swiss guards and those. You, you know what I'm talking about? They're, the security yeah. there. They look ridiculous. That'd be that'd be funny though if you're just like in Italy and these guys are following you around trying to be uh, discreet. 
Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wegovy and Zepbound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. In their funny costumes. Right. <laughs> That'd be good. Um, you mentioned, and, I've, and you've mentioned this a lot publicly before, that you feel like exhorted and work as hard as you should have back when slaughter and in, in, in between the law was were coming out um has that has any of the old members taken issue with that at all over the years because i know at this point it's just you um has there what ever... what oh that that i've actually like gone on record to say that yeah yeah uh probably <laughs> i mean this band is known for having a history of the the members not getting along very well right. so um you know there's probably somebody took issue with that and i don't give a shit because it's the truth man we we didn't yeah. we absolutely didn't work i mean we it's not like we didn't work we just we, we first of all we had the issue of our drummer being in college at the time so we couldn't do the touring that we really needed to mm-hmm. but once he graduated he he made himself available and we went out touring um so we go out on tour but things would happen people would misbehave and we got kicked off of a tour once uh, you know we we you know destroyed things on tour that didn't belong to us and booking agents were scared to, to touch us uh we'd get a tour and uh we were you know we couldn't do the tour because so-and-so is unavailable for the tour for this reason so we made a lot of mistakes back then mm-hmm. as young men who just were inexperienced. And, uh, I, I don't know. That's, I call it like I see it. I'm not trying to blame anybody for it. It was just the circumstances that we were under at the time. And, uh, and the choices that we made came back to haunt us. So I think by the time we really got in a position to where we were like, okay, let's work and let's do this for real. Um, and that, at that time, thrash metal was kind of losing ground and death metal was on its way in. And we were much less of a death metal type band than we were a thrash band. And really like we were kind of a hybrid anyway, of thrash and punk, especially with the live show. Hmm. So I don't know. It's, I think had we been in a different market, like uh, New York or San Francisco, we probably, things would have probably happened for us quicker. But, you know, at the time, you don't have the Internet. You, you know, it wasn't a fast track to, uh, to growing the underground. You had to rely on the tape trading and and such. And, uh, and we just kind of slipped through the cracks for the first four or five years that the band was in existence. You know, I mean, even before Slaughter and the Vatican came out, the band broke up and then got back together. So 
You know, we we have a history of breaking up and getting back together. <laughs> right. Well, the, the I, I assume a, a lot has changed over the years. Uh, I mean, that's a giant understatement. But for you personally, um, well, yeah, I, I'll go off this because I remember reading that your parents weren't happy with you in the lyrics on this record. Um, so, how do you now, as a full blown adult, feel about? the lyrics on this record is there anything at all that you're like oh should have said that or, or who gives a shit it's metal um let's see let's be fair uh yeah my parents especially my mother because she was raised catholic you know now my mother's an artist so she's she's hip and she's cool but she's also you know born in the 30s and her first job she ever wanted in her life was to be a nun you know, uh, so so it was, you know, kind of rough for her to see what I was, <laughs> what, what what my statement was. And my father was my father wasn't um, like a devout Catholic or anything. He just saw that it upset my mother. So he was mad at me for that. Right. Uh, but, you know, at the end of the day, I think they learned to embrace it for what it is, which is just it's art and you know it's kind of satire in a way um and you know no more i, I always liken it to horror movies except it's horror music it's just you know when when you're a writer or uh, you know a performer of any kind a lot of times the best art is art that makes people uncomfortable and uh and and lord knows we made people uncomfortable uh, in more ways than one. But, uh, you know, it, you, to go meet most metalheads, uh, musicians especially, that play extreme music. You know, a large, percent of, large percentage of them are either vegans or animal rights activists, you know, and, yeah. uh, you know or, or human rights activists, you know, fighting for civil uh, uh, equality and, and you know, so like to me, the horrible things that are said on albums and in writing and stuff, it's just nine times out of ten, it's fantasy. If 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 you think that I'm like one of these people that uh, cheers when a church gets burned down or something, no, you got the wrong guy. Um, like for me, uh, you know, if if people need that church to help them get through the day. Well then, fine. You go to church. That doesn't bother me any. Right, uh, right. What bothers me is when the collection basket is used for purposes that uh, are unintended, or you know, uh, power uh, through hierarchy is used to uh, to to victimize people and and, and exploit them and uh, use them for personal gain or you know abuse that sort of thing. That's my problem with religion. Not not what religion stands for it's what religion is uh is used for that's what always bothered me yeah and I'm, I'm with you on that well speaking of hierarchy being that you're the only original member of exhorter and also king kyle the first do you feel like you get to <laughs> fucking tell these guys what's up now like is this this is this i'm exaggerating here but this is, is this like is this like your band at this point or I mean I know these guys have been with you for a little while, but is this? Do you feel like this is your your thing to carry on, the, your responsibility to continue exhorter? Uh, 
uh, I guess at the end of the day, uh, especially since I'm the only original member left, I guess in a way, you know, probably most everything comes through me, to, so to speak, in some kind of way. Because mm-hmm. I guess it would just be ridiculous at this point to, uh, you know, for anyone other than me to be a singer. <laughs> but, yeah. um, but one thing that we all agreed upon last year when when we uh, unceremoniously were brought down to a quartet, we all decided let's 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 make an agreement here that the democratic process always is going to be the way that we do our business. So I I may be, you know, the owner of all things exhorter, but without my team with me happy and, you know, feeling like their, their input is just as important as mine, which it is as far Mm -hmm. as I'm concerned. Yeah. Then, you know, if I, if we don't, if, if it's not operating that way, then it's just a dictatorship. And I'm not King Kyle the first. I'm just <laughs> some some poor dude who fucking, you know, is still trying to figure out a way to, to pay the house note through doing what he loves. You know, <laughs> so that, that that's what that's why I played the, uh, you know, the, the Black Sabbath tribute to Dio last weekend so I could help pay my friggin bills. You know, that's why I have other cover bands where I get up and I'll sing journey or freaking jesse's girl just to help pay my goddamn bills i gotta do what i gotta do right and and i'll, I'll be honest with you i i was on ladders with tools in my hand at 6 a.m more days than i ever care to, to remember and i'm 51 years old and my body's telling me that's no longer what you need to be doing man so uh for me the importance of the four guys in that comprise my band myself included that we all have to look at each other and say, I don't feel like what I have to say is any less important than the guy next to me. So I I feel like as long as we have that and everyone continues to honor that and respect it, then we should sail off into the sunset and have a great time unless it comes to the point where no one cares. But the simple truth of the matter is this band gets bigger and bigger all the time. Every time we continue to do something, we launch into the next here which is you know what the diabolical plan was from day one with this band it was just unfortunate that we were never able to sustain it for a long enough period of time but but we seem to be in a happy uh, environment with each other right now and and getting along and working well together so you know we, when you got a happy bus it makes a huge difference yeah i'd say and it seems and i, I agree it seems like uh, exhorter is on a upward trajectory uh, 31 years later. And uh, part of that has to do with More in the Southern Skies that came out in 2019. Um, how much of More in the Southern Skies and the law are going to be part of the set list on the Slaughter and the Vatican tour? Well, we've got a little something up our sleeve for this show. I don't want to reveal yeah, too no, much, yeah, but yeah. Uh, but we, uh, I think everybody can count on seeing a little bit of something from our entire discography. Uh, in addition to the album being played in its entirety. So uh, buckle up. It's going to be a fun show. Nice. Well, uh, one, okay. <laughs> one thing I wanted to check is is if you are, is there any concerns anywhere you go, maybe it's specific, specifically in Florida, 
that uh, you still got a, a charge on your record from stealing signs <laughs> that <laughs> that might come up. You know, I know. <laughs> oh, Lord. You, you think know, you're in the clear with that one? I'd have to say I've been to Tampa enough times now to where I don't feel I used to like the first couple of times we went back to Tampa after that happened, I had anxiety and I was <laughs> scared. And I literally just wanted to hide wherever it was that we were playing or staying and just get the hell out of Florida. You know, uh, what a dumb thing. I mean, I did a dumb thing as a young man and it was, it's like, you know, you got, I remember being in the holding tank that day and I'm like, listening to people talk and I'm just trying to look like, like one of Manson's children and like with a don't fuck with me kind of look. And I was scared. I was a 19 year old kid, you know? Yeah. You don't want to know you're in there for picking up a piece of trash, right? Exactly. Like, (laughs) Not to mention, you know, I've never been to jail since. I, like, that's the only time in my life I ever went to jail. You know, sorry. I'm sorry I'm boring. I just, I behave myself most of the time. So so I'm in there, and there's guys, what are you in for? I shot my brother-in-law. Or what are you in for? You know, drug running, blah, blah, blah. And I'm, like, sitting here just waiting for somebody to say, what are you in for? I was not going to say Feeling a broken street sign, you know, it just wasn't going to happen. I was not going to say it. I just, I just basically sat there and looked like, you know, this kid clearly worships the devil. Leave him alone. <laughs> well, you got. It seems like you got out of there relatively unscathed, so I guess it worked. But uh, speaking of just, yeah. you know, the, that then and now. Just a question about the tour. What is the difference of the Exhorter rider between then and now? Well, then our riders were never honored. <laughs> <laughs> and now they might they're, be. They're, they're always honored. They're always honored in Europe and only honored in the States when we're headlining. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. It's just tough. You know, for us, we don't require much, man. Just so, uh, something that isn't pizza every day to eat. Yeah. Uh, you know, fruits and vegetables, nuts, that kind of stuff on the side. Uh, and assorted beers that aren't garbage and water and juice and coffee, whatever. It's, it, we're, we're not hard to please. We're Everybody in this band is either a dad or a grandfather. (laughs) And, um, you know, I used to pop pills before I played rock and roll shows. Now I'll pop ibuprofen and put on my, uh, my compression socks. (laughs) 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 That's just what we got to do to get through, man. It, it, you know, we were legendary in the day and it's not even a thing I'm proud of because, uh, you know, this is not the reputation we want to have as a business, but we were like, something to fear like when exhorter comes to town they might kill you you know i've heard people say that to me before i was like god really i mean yeah it wasn't uncommon for somebody in the band to fucking get into a fight somewhere or somebody break something acting like an asshole and and, you know again that's nothing i'm proud of but that's the truth that's what happened back in the day we rolled through town like a freaking whirling dervish man and um and today it's just not like that we're just old and tired and just want to do our job and make a little money if we can and meet some cool people along the way. Anything uh, coming in the new year that you can talk about with, with Exhorter? Well, we do have a new album 
under construction right now. Uh, so we, we do have our follow-up to Morning Southern Skies awesome. en route. Um, you know, I've got a new Trouble album that I'm working on with those guys. I've got a solo album uh, that I'm, I'm waiting to put out after those two albums come out, though. I just think it's the right thing to do and not you know, prioritize that when I've got... A, you know, teams of people waiting on me. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it's not just not to say I'm not working on set album. I do have some pre-production done for it. Uh, you know, probably about seven or eight songs uh, ready to go. And you know, don't don't expect a thrash metal album because that's what you get from me with Exhorter. <laughs> so, uh, but it, uh, it's nice to be able to write and record my own songs again with you know, without as much as I love writing with other people mm -hmm. it's nice to to do my own thing on my own terms too that's that's fun i've uh i've got a business uh deal going with a friend of mine uh called stitch witch organic and we're going to be launching that next year as well uh it's actually a little behind schedule but we've had some setbacks we that were unforeseen it's a retail online web store kind of thing and the way we've got it set up and i didn't i'm not the brainchild of it i'm i'm just here to help but yeah. uh my friend melissa who's the the uh the, she this is her brainchild she came up with this brilliant idea to allow the person purchasing from our website to designate a portion of what they spend to the music artist of their choice or the you know, the visual artists of their choice, graphic artists, you know, that sort of thing. So like in, in, as kind of like a padding for everyone having had to suffer through the pandemic, et cetera. Yeah, yeah. It's a way for you to say, I'd like to help my favorite artist uh, with a little something here and, and throw them a bone. So he, basically we're letting people donate money to someone who could probably use it on their own terms at our website is really cool. Nice. That is very cool. That's cool. You, you're, you're a fucking so, yes. busy guy, Kyle. Uh, no, and that's not <laughs> even all that I got going on. I, I'm, 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 um, I'm helping Rick Roz, uh, who played with death and massacre uh -huh. and all those bands, I'm helping him and, uh, lucky Erickson, the drummer, uh, finish up some songs. They started 12 years ago, uh, with a project. So I'm playing bass and singing on that. And, uh, it, that sounded really cool. Nothing like you necessarily would expect from from either one of us per se, or or maybe I don't know. But it's, <laughs> it surely doesn't sound like death or exhorter is what I'm getting at. Yeah, so, yeah. Um, it, I mean, there's all kind of stuff. I, I featured on a, a I, I did a guest spot on a fella's album that's coming out uh, probably early this coming year. Uh, a guy in Norway that that hired me to sing some songs, and he's got all kind of people guesting on this, including uh, Snake from Voivod. So it's cool. It's really like I, the pandemic allowed me the opportunity to do a lot of recording and a lot of, you know, work for other people, work for hire kind of things. Mm -hmm. Helped me get through uh, a tough time for sure. But uh, it's, it's also a way to, to just kind of throw a bunch of things at a wall and see what sticks, you know? Yeah, well, I admire that you actually, you actually do that. You, you know, a lot of people don't even take the chance to give it a shot where you, you clearly have always just gone for it. And I think that's admirable. Well, thank you. Yeah. I don't know. I just, 
I wake up in the middle of the night with music going on in my head. And sometimes I actually have to get out of bed and come into my office, pick up an acoustic guitar and record it on my phone so that I don't lose it. And these are the kind of things uh, that, you know, every musician worth their salt that writes will tell you the same thing. I, you know, the music never stops. It's just always going off. So if I can't get out and perform it and jam on it with people, then I'll just do it at home by myself.
So there you have it. That's my conversation with Kyle Thomas of Hexorder. The song you just heard is Desecrator off the Slaughter in the Vatican. You can still go out and catch them on tour right now. I'm not sure where they're at in the United States, but they're out there. So you got a few days, a few dates left on that tour. Go find them and enjoy Slaughter in the Vatican in full and check out the openers. I believe as they're down to take offense and play gears, but you know, that's still not that bad, huh? Okay. So that's about it for this episode of the podcast. I'm going to end you with a song from another New Orleans band who's got a new album on the horizon. You might know them. I'm sure you do. They're called Crowbar. The track is called Chemical Gods, and it's off of their new album Zero and Below, which is not due out until March 4th, but we might as well get it on your radar now. It's coming out on Monarch Heavy, and I'm sure it will be fantastic. And if this track is any indication, I am right, as usual. Okay, so that's it for this one. Thank you for listening. Bye-bye. Yeah.
Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com.